look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Faisal, you? Not bad. It was a bit of a weird week because we had in the uh, middle of the yeah. week, July 1st, yep. Friday markets were blah because the U.S. was closed. Yep. It's a bit of a weird week in that. I've, it's been a while since I've had a Wednesday off. Well, it was, yeah, it was Friday choppy, right? chop. You know, like it was, it was just a weird week. But, yep. And it was a weird Canada day for me. Why? Because no nothing to do? Well, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, no parties. Stampede should be kicking off. It's yeah, not kicking like, off. I like, and I normally I don't wear like jeans and stuff, anyways. And now it's like now I want to. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not a Western yeah. wear kind of guy, but no, now I'm just going to wear one just because. You. Yeah. <laughs> well, you and you should. You look good in a cowboy hat, buddy. Oh, thanks. Come on, you should just wear one to the office, or yeah. on your Zoom calls, or. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Right? That, that'll scare people for sure. <laughs> okay, so it was a weird. It was a weird uh, week this week because it was shortened with all the various holidays and markets being closed. Um, there's a couple things we should uh, we should talk about. So the, you know, we were talking uh, off air. Lots of questions coming up now about Biden versus Trump, Trump versus Biden, Canada Four versus U.S. Months away, right? Coming up to the election. Um, yeah. So it's uh, let's let's chat a little bit about. How should people um, adjust portfolios? Should they adjust? Them? What do you do? What do you do? How's it going to impact your, your future, your That's retirement? Right. It's going to be a, you know, when when it was a Hillary versus Trump uh, conversation, mm-hmm. you know, Hillary's going to do A, B, and C, and that's good or bad for us. Mm-hmm. And Trump's going to do, and then Hillary's going to win. Yep. And then surprise, she didn't win. Well, can I can I start by telling a story? Like this this is what happened in the last election, right? So this is the kind of stuff. This is a framework. I'm not saying it's this time, but there's going to be there's different policy approaches and so on and so forth. But go back to 16 prior to the election, I had a phone call from a client of ours and he was very concerned that Trump was going to win. Um he was right, I was wrong. I was saying, "Oh, well, okay. I mean, I think the, the polls are showing us yeah, yeah that Clinton's going to win, but let's go with it. What's your concern?" My concern is that the first thing Trump's going to do is he's going to default on treasury payments to China. I said, oh, okay, that's pretty serious because effectively the risk-free rate goes to zero. Fiat currencies are problematic. Um, Let's walk through this. You own a giant position in a junior oil and gas company, which will get murdered. Let's start selling right now. Whoa, he says. Whoa, hang on a second. I said, okay, walk me through your thesis of what's going to happen and why. And we did. And we talked about a probability. What's the worst-case probability, right? And then after we dialed all this down, yeah. there was definitely some concerns there, but it wasn't an all-in bet when we were done. Okay, we're having conversations like this now. We are, we are, because okay. I, I had one about about Biden, and I'm I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with this person's viewpoint, mm-hmm. but again, I'm walking through the thesis. Faisal yeah. Biden's winning in the polls. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's gonna win, right? Possibly. Yeah. And I always answer: it depends who shows up at the polls. Huh? We don't know until it happens, right? right? And so. Well, if he wins, pipelines are done, Alberta's done. You honestly believe that? Like, right. You think Alberta is done because Biden is the president of the United States? Right. Yes. I go, so then what do you, what's your first course of action? Right. And she goes to me, well, I just, I don't know what we can do. This is ridiculous. It, Alberta has no chance. Right. 
I said, well, then the first thing you should do is sell your house. And move out of Alberta. You should first sell your Yeah. You don't have to move yet. You <laughs> wow. still got four months. If it's that bad. You got four months. Right. But sell your house. Mm-hmm. Well, why should I sell my home? Well, if Alberta's doomed, right. you think real estate prices are going to go up in a province that's doomed? Right. No. Well, then sell your house. Should I Should I get the number of my real estate agent? Do you mm-hmm. want me to give you a couple of referrals? Like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, what do you need? And, and, and she's like, no, no, no. I, I, you can't sell a home right now. But, but when are you going to sell it? When it's worse? Right. Like you're just predicting the future right now. Right. And if your thesis says. Right. Then she goes, well, what if Biden doesn't win? Uh-huh. Uh, now we got a conversation. <laughs> okay. So now you just talked about worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about base case and best case mm-hmm. scenarios, right? And that's the emotion. We call it linear emotion yep. coming out. Yeah. Right? And I think it's interesting how people are, are looking. And there, there is going to be a difference between these two candidates. Right. And there's a different platform that they're on. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be all bad if one or the other wins. Right. And so that's where you have to start going through everything that they could potentially do based on their platform. And I don't even know what Biden's platform is. Well, how much is this? You know, here's the thing. When we talk about this linear notion, right, there's there's so many moving parts. People tend to focus on one thing that's, you know, gotten under their skin. May or may not be true, right? Even if it is true, say it's true. It's only one of the multiple moving pieces that that can affect an overall strategy, right? Or an overall quality of life, or whatever the case may be. So Biden wins, and uh, he's come out, he's anti-pipeline. Uh, is that a political statement or is that something he can execute on, right? Or is that the what right role? strategy for the United States? Right. If What happens if uh, the fracking is shut down in the United States or these shale companies go bankrupt? So that's a good point. So our, our, our team at CIBC put together, you know, if Biden is the U.S. president, this was in the Bloom, on Bloomberg and a whole bunch of other publications, so you can always Google this if, to verify my information here. But if the indis, if the Biden wins the, the election, mm-hmm. there are a couple of key points in this report that our analysts talk about. One, the cannabis sector. Mm-hmm. People are talking about, and we always look at oil and gas, but the cannabis sector could be a positive scene because he could make they, meaning the Democrats, could make it legalized right federally, federally, right, which would be a huge opportunity for Canadian cannabis. Business. Yep. He then goes on in the report talking about the energy sector. And you just mentioned U.S. fracking, mm-hmm. which is a big, scary piece mm-hmm. with a lot of the members on the Democratic side. Right. So what if they shut that down? Right. You don't think our energy industry would like that? Right. Less competition. Right. No pipeline, but less competition. But maybe a change of pipeline. And then it's not just the president. There's Congress. Right? There's different approvals. Yeah, there's the House and the Senate and the presidency. Right. Like there's three different groups there that all have to work together. Right. Right? So, but let's go that he'll do all this stuff, right? U.S. fracking out. Mm-hmm. Right. Pipeline out, right. which means less supply, higher prices. Mm-hmm. That might be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Financials. More regulation. A lot of our... our Financial institutions in Canada are doing business in the United States. And if there's more regulation, that could be an impact right. to the financial the financial industry in right. Canada. Yep. There immigration. Be a, the, uh, immigration. They're going to open up the doors. Right. 
Under Democrats. Under Democrats. They will allow more to come in because they've seen that they need to cast a wider net. Right. That can actually hurt us. Sure it could. Absolutely. We rely on immigration. We have the fastest growing educated population in the G7 because of immigration. Right? So it's not all bad. It's not, not all, all good. good. Yep. And you have to really dissect everything that that party or the individual stands for and make the assumption they're all going to come true. Right. Because you can't pick and choose. Pipelines are gone, but hey, you're going to keep fracking going like crazy. Right. Maybe. Right. But what if he closes both? Right. Then what happens, right? Mm -hmm. So the interesting part is how, like you said, emotions are linear. Mm -hmm. It leads to one one outcome that they want, and then they... They 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 sometimes choose not to act on it. For example, my we'll sell your home. Right. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Right. Very interesting. So. Right. Well, and I think it's really important. And I go back to the last experience, and that was a true story. Um, the opposite, the exact opposite of of that worst case scenario happened. Um, and so I just caution uh, people. This is going to become a bigger and bigger topic. Clearly, as we march closer and closer to November. Um, and we don't know. You don't know what the outcome is going to be until the outcome happens. And then it's got to be rolled out, right? There's lots of moving parts. There's time, right? Just be very careful about making all-in bets on any one key assumption that you've got, right? Because it's history has a way of um, proving those big bets to be difficult. So all this stuff's going to have an impact on portfolios, yep. on lifestyle, on quality of, of health care. Yes, on how you travel, everything. Yep. So we're going to talk about your lifestyle. How do you bulletproof your retirement? We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m., live online. We're going to be doing a webinar, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. To register, please go to morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk a little further about long-term care and how to improve your parents' situation if they're in a long-term care facility right now here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We've had a lot of conversation, needed, necessary conversation about long-term care, mm -hmm. right? It's such a big focus um, in the last little while with the pandemic. But it's, listen, long-term care is something that is growing in importance regardless of the pandemic with an aging demographic, right? More and more of us, our parents, are facing this uh, or will face it in yep. the future, yep. right? It's an area of medicine that we have covered off. It's an area of, of, of quality of life, and we've looked at different models from around the world over the years. That's right. Right? Um, but one of the consistent issues we have that we talk about is, from a quality of care, is, is if you get injured, if you fall down, and you hurt yourself. And how do we... It's very common. It's really common. And unfortunately, the results when you're older, um, the results of a fall are not like when we were 10, 12, and 15, and 18, where you bounce, and you rubber, and you get back up. It's not the yeah. case. Well, I bounce. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. And I bounce again. We don't get back up. That's, <laughs> that's right. the problem. I don't get up. <clears throat> but we've got, um, there's a new, uh, a new uh, study that's been done tracking some of these things, falls, and how they happen, and some interesting stuff that uh, I think we want to educate uh, people about, whether you're in a long-term care facility or it's someone you love is in a long-term care facility. It's important stuff. Yeah. Uh, Steve Rabinovich, PhD professor, Department of Biomedical Physiology and Kinesiology at Simon Fraser University, uh, is joining us. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. Our goal is to improve the quality of seniors' lives, period. Now, uh, some of those seniors uh, today or in the future will be in long-term care facilities. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the study that you and your team did? 
Sure. Um, well, in this particular study, we focused on hip fractures caused by falls in long-term care. And we wanted to know what types of falls cause hip fracture. And also we wanted to know what are the benefits of wearing hip protectors, which is a type of padded garment for preventing hip fractures in long-term care. And, you know, we know that falls are, as you say, really common, especially among older adults in long-term care. Like yep. there's about 50 to 60% of those individuals will fall at least once per year. And there's about a total of about 30,000 hip fractures in older adults each year in Canada. And it's really one of the most devastating types of injuries from falls. About 25% of patients will die within a year. We know that about 95% of hip fractures are caused by falls, but only a small portion of falls actually cause hip fracture. Hmm. So ours was the first study to provide objective evidence on the factors that separated falls that caused hip fracture from falls that did not. I found this very interesting, actually, in terms of um, it, it was a surprise to me to, to, to find out what kind of a fall um, is the worst kind of a fall. I would have thought falling backwards for older people is, um, you know, is a big problem. Not, not the case, according to your research. Yeah, that's right. Um, we analyzed over 2,000 falls experienced by over 600 older adults in long-term care. Uh, based on video footage that was collected over an 11-year period. And we found that only 1% of falls caused hip fracture and that all hip fractures resulted from falls that caused impact to the pelvis on the side that was fractured. We also found that, like, all the falls were from standing height. There were a lot of falls that were from lower than standing height, like people falling out of chairs, but none of those caused hip fracture. But as you say, the direction of the fall was a, a major factor. Um, people were five times more likely to fracture if they landed sideways, impacting the side of the hip. But fractures were just as likely if people fell forward and sideways due to their tendency to rotate during descent. And it was, in fact, the, the backward falls where people didn't tend to rotate but just landed, you know, on their on their buttocks. Those were four times less likely to cause fractures. So it was the ones that were initially sideways but also forward that caused impact to the hip and, and were most likely to cause the fractures. I guess that makes sense if you think about it. I mean, I suppose when I read through that, I was initially caught by that, and then, well, it makes sense. I mean, if you're going to fall sideways, you're falling on your hip, right? That's Correct. A, that's a bigger problem. Okay, so um, what what do we do about this? Well, we found a couple of additional results that were um, more, you know, focused on what can be done. Um one thing was you found that if people were falling with a mobility aid, like a, a walker, they were three times less likely to experience hip fracture, probably because they were able to push down on the mobility aid to slow their descent 
and reduce the impact force of the fall. But the other thing that we found has to do with, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, these wearable hip protectors. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that falls where people were wearing a hip protector um, were twofold less likely to cause hip fracture. So, you, you know, your risk was halved by wearing a hip protector. And interestingly, about 70% of older adult residents in the long-term care homes that we studied were wearing hip protectors at the time of the fall. So older adults in long-term care in British Columbia, at least in the region that we studied, are wearing and benefiting from hip protectors. But across Canada, maybe about 10 to 20% of people in long-term care are wearing hip protectors. So... I think our study adds evidence to support efforts to increase uptake, to to make people more aware, to develop strategies to implement hip protectors as part of um, care for older adults in long-term care, to encourage families to buy them, to offer older adults to consider them. So um, so that we can kind of translate that. Steve, this hip protector is a separate piece of article of clothing on top of or, or underneath their regular sources of clothing, yes? That's right, typically, um, although there's different types of models. There are some that are integrated into undergarments. That, that's the most common type of model. But there are also models that are sort of like pants, you know, sort of sweatpants that uh, have the padding integrated into the pants itself. And is there a difference with the type of garment that you buy, pants to underwear, whatever? Is, is one better than the other? Not necessarily, because the, the important part of the protective thing is, is the pad itself. So it's important that people buy models that have been tested according to standards that have now emerged for this, just like there's standards mm-hmm. for helmets, of course. There, there are now standards for testing these, these devices. Um, but companies will typically create options that integrate that same pad either into an undergarment or a pant. And so as long as the fit is right and that you know it's not going to slide around um, and move away from its intended location, the pant is uh, an option as well as the undergarment. I'm surprised this is not a requirement in every long-term care facility. Yeah, at a certain age, right? Or I something. have to wear a helmet if I'm going on the ice. Right. If I'm going to go play hockey, I'm, I'm, I'm on the ice, I have to wear a helmet. Right. If I want to ride my bike in this city, I have to wear a helmet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, it, because the, well... I have to have a bell, too, on my bike. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Like, there, there's some regulations thought. to yeah. participate. Yeah. And if you're going to be in a long-term care facility, government-run right. or not, right. let's have some... You know, safety controls. Right. And if this is actually proven fact that we can reduce the number of deaths, the number of injuries, why not put it as a requirement? It seemed like a bad thought. It's like a seatbelt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I I think what our study helps contribute is evidence that they work. And, and, you know, growing, we're not the first study to show that. But I think the other key thing we're showing is that you can get people to wear them. This has been an argument for, uh, you know, that has been opposed for a long time. Like, oh, 
you know, whether they work or not is another matter. If people are going to wear them, the problem is that people won't wear them. But here we're showing that if you create the right sort of situations in terms of like staff commitment and education, you know, it all it all sort of starts with like belief in the value of the intervention. But then that's translated all the way up, uh, you know, to to the family, to the management, to care providers, and um, you can. So that's an important thing to show that that people you can get people to wear them. Steve, we have world leaders now wearing masks because of COVID. I'm sure we can get <laughs> a whole bunch of seniors to wear these types of garments sure. in long-term care facilities. Sure, and they don't have to be ugly if they're built in, right? I mean, if you've got an industry that is, yeah, anyways. Whatever so their potential. concerns are, I'm sure we can overcome them. Steve, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you very much for sharing the results of your study with us. Thank you very much. It's nice to talk to you. Been joined by uh, Steve Rabinovich. He's a PhD professor, uh, Department of Biomedical Physiology and Kinesiology at Simon Fraser University. Um, one aspect of quality of life. I mean, we, we're talking about that, but the quality of life, quality of care. You want an important piece of the overall retirement conversation. Yeah, right? and, and the, the cost. Picture. How are you yeah. going to pay for all these yeah. things? You start off with your lifestyle, traveling, whatever you're doing in your retirement, and as you age, these costs of home care, long-term care, come in. How are you going to pay for everything? Right. You right. have a limited amount of money, and you have a whole bunch of things you're going to spend your money on, and can you spend, and will it last forever? Right. We're going to answer that question with our process, how to bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. Are you itching to get out of the house and go travel? We're going to talk about the unexpected travel options that you have available to you next. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Lots of people here, and I'm one of them, uh, just itching to sort of go travel. We had to cancel some travel plans we had pre-planned. But it doesn't mean we can't get out, can't enjoy. Can, can, can I just share some of my pain right now? <laughs> yeah. This weekend was supposed to be the Euro Cup. Yeah. Final yeah. coming up. You're supposed to be in London for that, weren't I you? I was supposed to be at Wem- Wem- Wembley. Wembley Stadium. Yeah. I'm getting over it now. Hang on. <laughs> give, just give me a minute. <laughs> but I can't go. So. Yes, there is an alternative. I said, what's next best thing to Euro? Mm-hmm. We're going to Jasper. Absolutely. We're going to Jasper. Both of us. Different times. Different. But... Well, I'll, I, I want to still have a good, a good trip, so that's come why I'm not on, going with come you. Come on. No need to be mean, so... <laughs> We got. We listen. We we want to talk about the what do we have for staycations in Elbert? There's lots to see. Right? A Now's lot. a perfect opportunity. It's amazing how much that when you start to focus a little, you, you get all these choices around the world, and then you go, okay, well, I'm not going anywhere outside of, the, of my province. Just not ready for that yet. Yeah. And you start looking, and my friend Google helped me out quite mm-hmm. a bit with this one. Yeah. Good and lad, and Google, Google. Google actually said, did you mean you just want to stay in Alberta? I said, yes, I want to stay in Alberta. And then <laughs> gave me the whole list. And then it's amazing how many things you can do in this province. Right. And so we're going to help highlight that. Uh, Marty uh, Eberth is going to help us do that. She's Director, Experience Development, Travel Alberta. Marty, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I, I have a recommendation right off the bat. Perfect. Um, and that's, I love Google, but... 
travelalberta.com can help you wherever you want to go within the province. Yeah, I started off with Google, ended up on that site. It's, it's a really good user-friendly site. Like, I'm not trying to promote your, pro, your, your program or anything. I'm just trying to basically say it was so easy. Right. And then from there, you can go to the actual website of the hotel or the actual activity. And it's, very, it's a very good program, very yep. good site. Now, Marty, we've got, um, you know, 10 minutes to try to make uh, uh, do justice to all of the spectacular things we can do in Alberta. So I want to I want to start out with just talking about lots of people are not able to get on an airplane, not comfortable even if they can get an ar- uh, out on an airplane. So let's talk about some of the highlights of Alberta. Let's remind everybody about the great province we're in and where they can go if they want to get away from the house. Absolutely. So because Albertans sometimes need a little nudge um, in terms of trying something different, one of the things we're thinking about is maybe pick a theme that you, uh, that you love, something that you want to do, and then just find different places where you can explore that theme. And, and one might be gardens. So within the province, uh, maybe you've never been to Lethbridge in the Nikuyuko Japanese gardens. Um, or in Olds, there's or, um, or University of Alberta Botanic Gardens. Now, for that one, um, admission is by reservation only. Uh, but for July and August, what you can also do is book a twilight picnic experience and add just a little bit of romance to your outing. Hmm. That sounds cool. Yeah. Oh, that does sound so, cool. Another theme might be, you know, we're so rich, even though we're, we're not an, an old province when you talk about European standards, we've got so much rich history. So one of the things that make us, you know, kind of jazzed at Travel Alberta is that even in the midst of a pandemic, we actually had a brand new cultural center open uh, near Smoky Lake, and it's called Métis Crossing. It's going to be a year-round destination, um, and it is centered on the, the distinct Métis Indigenous story. And so after a lot of construction, it's now open. It just opened officially about a week ago. And one of the things they're launching as part of the opening is a new program called Meet the Métis. So you get to um, interact with a Métis knowledge holder who will help you walk the site, um, talk about all of the Métis traditions, um, and even teach you how to dance a jig. So one of the things that's cool about this is that they are very focused, as all of our tourism businesses are across the province, they really want to ensure the safety of their guests. So what they're doing is literally running private tours just for the group that you arrive with. So that tour is going to be extremely personal just for for you and your family or um, the bubble that you arrive with. So so give me Marty's five top experiences to have in Alberta. Like some, some of the places or oh. unique things to do, your top five or your favorite five. How's that? Well, I can't do favorites. Top five. You know, I honestly, I think you've got to give me a topic because Alberta is so diverse in in landscape and experiences. So, you know, let's go with a mountain luxury, experience. Yeah, let's go with a mountain. Let's experience. go with mountain experience. Yeah. Okay, let's talk mountains. Um, let's talk about luxury in the mountains. Sure. Um, you can do things like, of course, the Chateau and Lake Louise, the Bamp Springs Hotel. Um, if you want to get just outside of the National Park and into a provincial park, uh, Mount Engadine Lodge, only two hours outside of Calgary, um, and just perfect if you want a little, uh, little pampering, um, if you want to go sort of edge of mountains and into a rural area. 
Um, the Rocky Mountain House National Historic Site is another amazing destination where you can immerse yourself in Indigenous culture. Um, and a little-known fact is that not too far from there, about 17 kilometers outside of Rocky Mountain House, um, there's a place called the Prairie Creek Inn, and it is beautiful. It's remote. It's got some beautifully appointed cabins um, and an mm-hmm. on-site restaurant. So you can do a little bit of, you know, exploration um, and sort of on the edge of the mountains um, and then come back to like a crackling fire. And uh, yeah, it's just spectacular. So, Marty, one thing that, you know, my father right now is taking my children, his grandchildren out, and he's so excited because it's been so long since he's got to spend time with them. Where can the whole family go when it comes to the mountain experience? What's, what's an idea for that? An idea for the whole family? Um, into hiking. Um, again, one of the uh, newer provincial parks is Castle down in the southwest corner of the province, so Castle Provincial Park. Um, it's close to the Crow's Nest Pass region. Um, and there's a, a business called Uplift Adventures that is very experienced in outdoor experiences and on hiking. So it'll take you into places you probably never even thought of going before. Um, if you're going to way up um, into the north where Wilmore Wilderness Park um, in the Grand Cache area, I stopped by Sulphur Gates, um, incredible viewpoint um, of the confluence of the two rivers. Um, and if you're up for a bit of, of uh, an adventure, you could do whitewater rafting with Wild Blue Yonder. Hmm. Um, Jasper, uh, you guys are headed to Jasper. Of yep. course, um, you're going to put Jasper Skytrail, I'm sure, on the yep. list of things to do. Um, what you might not know, it is, it is the, the longest and the highest guided aerial tram in Canada. So. Hmm. Check that one off your list. Um, but here's one that you might not know about, and that is uh, a little company called Jasper Food Tours. Um, they started up, oh, about 18 months, two years ago. Um, and so if you're, you know, if you're a foodie and you like to, to sample the taste of Jasper, that's an awesome choice. And they've got a new program uh, that they launched just recently called a Peaknik. So this is where you take about a 3.8-kilometer hike it's an you know for intermediate hikers um takes you up to a stunning peak and then and then get this it's followed by a hands-on backcountry cooking lesson Hmm. that sounds cool and that is that kid friendly it absolutely is kid friendly there you go there you go yeah if you want to knock their socks off um how about heli hiking so alpine helicopters um, can take you out and show you the mountains like you've probably never seen them before, um, and then take you into an area where you can actually do some hiking in the alpine meadows. Um, another one, this is a mountain sort of off the beaten track, uh, lesser-known national park, Waterton, uh, one of the five uh, designated dark sky preserves in Alberta. And that means they have this special commitment, of course, to reducing light pollution in the area. Um, it also means they have a spectacular view of the night sky. So there's a group down there called the Dark Sky Guides um, that you can hook up with, and they'll do like an evening learning about the stars and the planets. So that's a great one for kids. <laughs> it's endless. Uh, Marty, thank you. We're going to have to leave it there. We can't do it justice in 10 minutes, but uh, TravelAlberta.com should be able to refresh everybody's memory and give them some good, uh, you know, good insights as to what we can do in our province. Mm-hmm. And let's take advantage of that. I want to thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We've been joined by Marty Ebert, Director of Experience Development at Travel Alberta, and all part of the 
all part of the experience of not even just retirement, right? Just all part of the experience That's that right. we can have. All the things you can do. <clears throat> yep. Sometimes it costs money. Yep. You figure out how you're going to pay for it. And when you're thinking about retirement, you're focusing on, on the expense side when it comes to retirement. You want to make sure you have income for life. You want to make sure that you have that income to do the things you want to do. And we're going to show you a way to bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m. live online. You need to register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break because I want to talk about what we didn't talk about this week. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Faisal, I, uh, I sort of teased in the last segment. Uh, I thought what was interesting this week, and it was a choppy week with holidays and so on and so forth. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But I thought what was interesting is not what we talked about with clients. It's what we didn't talk about with clients. And let's think about the last two weeks, right? Okay. Um, the second wave of the coronavirus fear is going up. We're seeing numbers every day come out of the United States. There's new records being set for new viruses going in the wrong direction. Yeah. The press is, that's all we're reading. You've had conversations with people that are nervous about it. and So much data coming out of the states that people are worried about here in Canada. Yeah. So and it's much. affecting people, right? It's yeah. affecting people in terms of what they're thinking about, but what we're not talking about with people is the fear that they have about their retirement. I haven't had one conversation in the last two weeks about where am I going to get my income from? I haven't, you know, it, we're just talking esoterically about the data coming out of the, what's happening in the United States. You, you know, what's interesting <laughs> I, I've had is that a lot of, the, not a lot, but a few of the people that I talked to this week are not concerned about their retirement, right? but they're concerned about their, their adult children. Well, that's been an interesting one for a bit of time, given what Alberta's going through. Let's talk about it's that. It's been an Alberta thing. Now right. it's a COVID thing, recession, yeah. Yeah. so on and so forth, right? Pick your politician that you want to talk about and... My kids' future is all a mess. And what some of the research that came out that I was, I was reading this week was that millennials have had a tough go. Um, millennials are from 1980 to 1994. I'm, I'm going off memory here. So um, if you were born in that age and you are now, you're getting ready to go into the workforce, you've been one of the unluckiest individuals in history because they've gone through three different recessions. Mm -hmm. And I'm including the 2020 coronavirus Mm -hmm. as a recession. And so millennials have had it tough. Mm -hmm. And so others have said, no, 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 no. During those three recessions, keep in mind the boomers have lost a lot of wealth, deteriorated capital, made crazy amount of money before and lost a lot of it because of the last three recessions. Some cases, yeah. Many cases. Mm-hmm. The average boomer doesn't even have $500,000 in savings to retire. Mm-hmm. This is the average. Let's not talk median because that's even lower. Mm-hmm. So the boomers have had it tougher. Not question sure the millennials is, agree with you. Who's had it tougher? Right. That's the question. What are your thoughts? Um, listen, I think that uh, I side with the uh, the boomers on this debate. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm not suggesting that millennials haven't had a goofy set of. Oh, you're playing Switzerland now. You're not no, s- no, I just think that. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I fear for the boomers because of uh, of time. So 
there are mistakes or problems that you can't recover from when you're older. Yep. Uh, if you're not working in, you know, given circumstances of a an average uh, boomer. Um, not to diminish the experience that young people might have, but you've got lots of options. You've got time. You've got mobility. There's lots of things you, you can do. Same thing you can <clears throat> say with a boomer. No, agreed. You just don't have. You just don't have the potential oppor- the work opportunities. So hang on, hang on, hang on. The potential work opportunities. Yep. So here's the argument that was in part of the research. Yep. Many boomers who had to had to stay at work. Yes. Were very upset because they couldn't get the same job. Right. Or they couldn't get a job of equal pay. Right. And so now they have to change things. Yep. And the biggest problem in some of this research was that change is harder for a boomer than it is for a millennial. Okay. And so with every argument that you can make for a millennial, you can make for a boomer. Sure. You can relocate. You can get a side gig or a side hustle, now some of these people call it. You can supplement your income in other ways. You can do so many things, like a millennial. There's lots you can do. I I agree. I'm not saying be a victim. So why is it harder for a boomer? When you say time, a lot of people will say, well, freedom 65, let's call it. It was 55, now it's 65. Why not 75? Why not 80? Why do you have to, quote, unquote, retire? These are the arguments that are coming out in the the research. Stanford and so forth came up with these points. And it's a good debate. No, it is. It, it, it's, and they're all fair points. And I, I, like I said, I don't want anybody to be a victim. There's always things you can do regardless of age. But there, is, there, is, there are potential problems that you can't recover from depending on decisions you've made later in life versus earlier. Time, time is an important... Time is your friend. Time is an important element in that, in that conversation. So don't be victimized by it. And it might mean there's a change, no matter boomer or millennial, yeah. right? You might have to make a change from what you, what you previous thought. Yeah. Um, and all of that's valid. All of that's the same. But time's important. That, so that's why. That, the, the, my whole, the, the, the distinction between those two groups is, is I would feel more vulnerable at 70 okay, yep. than I would at 30 if uh, there was a problem that I faced that materially impacted my financial ability to live the life I wanted or feed the family or whatever word you want, whatever phrase you want to use. What I find interesting <clears throat> is that when we talk to a lot of our older clients, yeah. one of their concerns yeah. on their list is their children. Right. They're, they're adult. Always. Income yeah. earning, yeah. independent children. That's yes. what they're worried about. Yep. They're parents. I get it. I'm a parent. When we talk to the next generation below that, right. what are some of your concerns? It's not their parents. Nope. Nowhere are they concerned about the healthcare system, the financial capacity to pay for that, that the burden may get shifted onto them, or they may choose to be part of that program. Right. But it's not even a conversation, not even the top top 10 no. concerns. No. So mom and dad are worried about kids. Kids are not worried about mom and dad. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And listen, in many cases, we've had this conversation uh, time and time again over the years, Faisal, about uh, you know, should what what is your responsibility or obligation or commitment to kids, you know, as a senior person not working anymore, and what effect can that have on your retirement lifestyle? Right, we've talked about that a lot. Although, um, interestingly, more often than not, the, the kids are independent. Mom and dad continue to worry about them because they're parents, 
right, or want to help and make some decisions. But I tell you, I hear lots of kids saying, Mom and Dad, you just spend it all. Go ahead. I'm fine. Yeah. Right? Go do your thing. Yeah. But the flip isn't there. <clears throat> no, that's right. And I, I find it very interesting that when you're doing planning for your future, mm-hmm. like retirement, one of the pieces will should be, have you had a discussion about what your parents' financial viability, and I'm going to pick on you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Your mother is in a long-term care facility. Yep. There is an outflow of cash. Yep. Are you paying any of it? Nope. Is your brother paying any of it? Nope. It was planned by them. Yep. Your mom and your dad had sufficient. What if they didn't? And you never had that conversation with your parents. Right. Surprise. Surprise is right. And there's lots of people. Either you take the choice of a different quality of care than you or your mother would have wanted. Right. Or you're poning up the cash. Right. So this is really interesting point. Um, perhaps we can do a, a, like a, a segment on that because there's a generational difference in comfort level and talking about these things too, which we Absolutely. notice. Absolutely, right? And By having that discussion at the dinner table, how hard will that be? Right, it can mom, be really dad. In- are you financially okay in case you go into a long term care facility? Right. Like who? That's, that's and then pass the potatoes. Like what's the next line after that? What do you <laughs> yeah, do? Now maybe you just don't throw it out at over potatoes. Uh, but it is it is an interesting family dynamic that's important and relevant from a financial planning perspective, right? Because when we ask, what about your parents? Do you have dependent parents? Well, I don't know if they're going to be dependent. Well, that's a big gap. That's a big potential gap in the knowledge that could be thousands of dollars a per month. Month. That's right. And now you are going to be feeling what's a higher priority, the quality of care for mom or dad right, or my retirement. Right. Do I go to Hawaii right. or do I take that money and give it to mom and dad? Right. Do I, you know, and I've got kids. Now right. you're that sandwich generation. And do I worry about them or do I worry about my parents? Those types of things. So it's a very interesting time. Okay, let's wrap it up because we have to talk about all of those things at the upcoming seminar. July 21st. Tuesday, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money. Talk to you next week. David Popovich and Basil Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Basil Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.